0: Cherry Becker, Learning and Development. This is Fill the Gap, the accounting game show. Accountants aren't known for their social
1: lives and listening to this podcast is one of the main reasons why. Our host is the kind of guy who brushes his teeth in the office bathroom after lunch
2: Peter (laughs) Zender. Dental hygiene is important. Don't forget to floss. Thank you, Jonathan, and welcome everyone to Fill the Gap, technically the best and perhaps only accounting game show podcast around. I'm your host, Peter Zender, and I've just finished gargling my Listerine, and I'm ready to spit some accounting knowledge. Today we have two contestants tackling five audit questions in an attempt to win some cash. We are talking life changing money here, the type of money where the next time you're at Chipotle for lunch, you can look your server in the eye with confidence and finally afford to say, let's add the guacamole. Today's topic is part of our audit basics series. You've got to pay to play in the business world and that's why nearly every audit faces this key audit area. Fill the gap. Accounts payable. Let's introduce our two contestants, Matt and Joe. Matt and Joe, welcome to Fill the Gap. Are you guys ready to answer some accounts payable questions and hopefully make those Chipotle guacamole dreams come true?
3: Absolutely. I'm ordering double. You're ordering double guac. Absolutely. We're taking it.
2: Woo, dream big. So I understand you are both from Atlanta and University of Georgia UGA Bulldog fans. Go, dogs. <laughs>
3: so you two are
2: auditors. What brought you to public accounting?
3: I would say the problem
0: solving nature of the classes back in college. Awesome. How about you, Matt? Uh, probably a similar explanation, you know, like a search for the truth kind of. Uh kind of ideology behind it. You feel like a detective sometimes pouring through the support, you know, trying to put puzzle pieces together, which I enjoy.
2: You know, I like that. You're like the accounting Sherlock Holmes's materiality, my dear Watson. How long have you guys been auditing?
3: I think yesterday or today marks about four months.
2: (laughs) Four months. Well, this being our Audit Basic Series, these questions should be right in your wheelhouse. But before we get underway, a quick reminder that you have two risk reducers you can use if you find yourself in a bind on a question. There's the pester the partner where we will get an audit partner from Cherry Beckert's take on what they think the answer should be and the 50-50 multiple choice where I will give you two potential answers with one being the correct response. You can use these risk reducers up until question number five, but on our big $20 question, you will be on your own. But let's get started with question number one, which is designed to see if you know your audit assertions. Question number one worth $5. You are filling out the risk assessment for accounts payable for a standard audit client. All assertions have an inherent risk of low, with the exception of fill the gap
3: and fill the gap. Matt, what are we thinking here? I'm thinking our main risk is understatement. Yeah.
0: So completeness and cutoff. Completeness and cutoff, I think, are the uh, you know the two Cs. I'm rocking with. So, completeness and cutoff, are
2: you locking that in as your final entry? Final answer. Let's check the accuracy on that answer. That is correct. You are on the board with $5 earned. Now, after each question, we are going to kick it over to our accounting technical guru for key takeaways. Accounting heirs tremble in fear at the sound of his name. Michael! You For liability
1: accounts, our main concern nearly always centers on completeness and cutoff because companies are more driven to understate liabilities than to overstate them.
2: So a company's motivation to understate liabilities isn't dissimilar to my motivations when my uncle Ronnie calls and asks if he can come stay with me over the holidays. I understate the accommodations at my house to avoid the risk of him stealing and wearing my bathrobe the entire <laughs> week he's staying with me. Is that true? <laughs> Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. <laughs> So in the same way, I don't want Ronnie to know I've got a luxurious extra bedroom. Companies don't want to show large liabilities and appear less solvent because there's a risk of how they may be perceived by external parties like banks or investors. But I think we've harped on this enough. Let's move to our next question. Question number two, your last $5 question. If I'm testing accounts payable, I would ask the client for this. Fill the gap the source document slash information I would make my accounts payable detail sample selections from.
3: Matt, I'm going with the subsequent disbursement register here. Yep. Next period uh, disbursements from there. That sounds sounds good to me. So the
2: subsequent disbursement listing is where you're saying you would make the accounts payable detail sample selections from. Do you want to make that your final entry? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, is that correct? That is correct. Another $5 in your pocket, and that brings your total up to $10. That extra walk is coming. <laughs> Let's get a hoose for the technical breakdown. If we
1: select from disbursements occurring before year end, we only address the risk of existence and accuracy, not completeness.
2: So for accounts payable detail testing, we want to make our selections from the outside, the subsequent disbursement listing, looking in by tracing to the AP detail as of year end. Outside looking in, it reminds me a lot of me in high school with the cool kids group. But you know what? Look at me now. I'm the host of my own mediocre accounting podcast. So take that, Brad Jensen. (laughs) Let's take it up a (laughs) notch here and raise the stakes. This next question is worth $10. Question number three. We just talked about where we are going to make our selections from, the listing of subsequent disbursements. So disbursements occurring after your end but how far after year-end do we need to go? The time period of the listing of subsequent disbursements we select from should, at a minimum, correspond to one, fill the gap, for the client. What you thinking?
3: Matt, I'm thinking, um, I, th- I think I know what it is, but we might wanna use one of our risk reducers and pester a partner.
0: Yeah, I'd play. I'd,
2: I'd play it safe here. To confirm, you two want to use your pester the partner risk reducer? Yep. Dial yep. it up. Well, I have the perfect partner to bother and ask this question to. Let's bring her in, Bryn McNeil, a partner at Cherry Beckert from their Tyson's office.
3: Hello, this is Bryn.
2: Hey Bryn, sorry to bother you, I know you're busy, but we've got two contestants, Matt and Joe, competing on Fill the Gap, and we were hoping you could help us on a tough accounts payable question.
0: Well, considering I do know a lot about accounts payable, I am happy to help.
2: Awesome, so Matt and Joe just crushed a question to clarify detail accounts payable selections come from the subsequent disbursement listing, but how far subsequent to year end do we need to extend that listing to make sure our population is reasonable. Here's the question. The time period of the listing of subsequent disbursements we select from should at a minimum correspond to one, fill the gap for the client.
0: Oh, so thinking about the time period and the turnover, I'm gonna go with the account payable turnover cycle.
2: All right. Thank you so much, Bryn.
0: All right, guys. Good luck. I hope you win lots of money here.
2: All right. You guys heard Bryn. She said one AP turnover cycle. What do you think? Yeah, we'll go with at least one AP turn. Yeah, that sounds good. Do you want to lock that in as your final entry?
3: Final yes. entry.
2: Is AP turnover cycle correct? Correct. comes through and you two are three for three and up to twenty dollars earned boost give us some technical context on that answer
1: accounts payable turnover in days can be calculated by dividing net credit purchases by average accounts payable during the year to determine your payable turnover ratio you then take 365 days divided by that payable turnover ratio sometimes the date the accounts payable testing is performed isn't sufficient to cover a full payable turnover cycle. And you may need to make additional selections later in the audit timeline.
2: Thank you, Michael. Matt and Joe, let's keep this momentum going. Question number four, worth another $10. When assessing whether a client is liable and if a payment should or should not be included in accounts payable, we look for the fill the gap
3: date. Matt, I'm thinking of of two different options here.
0: Yeah, I definitely have an idea, but you know, we've got the um, the 50-50.
3: Yeah, we might wanna use that multiple choice. I'm thinking it could be the invoice date or the the actual service period, but I'm not quite sure which one.
2: All right, 50-50 multiple choice. I promise you guys, these were predetermined, but your options are A, invoice date, or B, date of service or transfer of goods.
0: (laughs) So... Let's uh, let's talk through this here. So invoice date is when you're billing them, right? Yep. But date of service, which is when that would technically create an account payable, right?
3: It's right. Like right. So they, if your year end is 1231 and they in- invoice you on January 1st, but they actually did the services in December, then we'd want to accrue for that a year end. Yes, we would. So we're. you want to go with B?
0: Yeah, we'll go with B. That's right.
2: B, date of service or transfer of goods. Is that your final entry? Lock it in. Is that correct? It is. Boost, tell us why. It
1: is important to establish when the client was actually liable, or in layman's terms, on the hook and owing the vendor. That is the driver of whether or not a liability was generated. Oftentimes, auditors misunderstand this and use the invoice date.
2: But Matt and Joe, you understood perfectly, and now you are $10 richer with a total of $30 earned. It's time now, though. Let's get to it. Our big $20 final question. Question number five. This is a practical example. An audit client hired a marketing firm for a holiday project for $20,000. With the project completed, In December, 2021, the client received the invoices from the marketing firm on December 15th, 2021 for $15,000 and January 3rd, 2022 for the remaining $5,000. The client paid both invoices on January 10th, 2022. The amount that should be included in accounts payable as of December 31st, 2021 should be Fill the gap. Matt, this is screaming
3: cut off at me.
0: Yeah, I think, I'm, I'm thinking we're on the same page here, right? I'm,
3: I'm thinking so.
0: We're going to want $20,000. Yep. In 20 accounts, accounts payable. And your
2: so you're telling me there'd be $20,000 in accounts payable as of year end?
0: December 31st, 2021.
2: Yes, sir. Is that your final entry? Let's lock, lock it in. in. Is $20,000 the correct answer? That is correct. Five for five, $50 won. Woo! I am going to circle back with Matt and Joe in just a second, but let's kick it over to Michael Huth for the last technical breakdown.
1: The key items to look for is when the project was completed, i.e. when the services were rendered, and when the payment or payments actually occurred. The invoice dates are irrelevant. Important factors to consider if you find an error is to first confirm the client agrees with your conclusion and then determine the cause of the error. Determining the cause assists you in focusing any additional selections you make on potentially higher risk items. Additionally, if you identify errors in your initial testing, you might need to lower the dollar threshold for items to select. For example, if you originally selected $10,000, and found errors, you might need to lower that to $5,000 and then test additional items that are over the new lower threshold.
2: Thank you so much, Michael. Now, Matt and Joe, for all the future Fill the Gap contestants out there, tell me, how did you accomplish this amazing feat?
0: We had our game plan executed, coaches put it together, teammates put it, laid it all out there on the field. You know, just thankful for the opportunity.
2: Well, I saw some phenomenal teamwork from you guys. Is there anyone or anything you want to dedicate this
3: victory to? UGA, and mountains of guacamole.
2: (laughs) Well, I want to thank you guys for being contestants here on Fill the Gap, and I wish you both the best of luck as you continue on in your first year of public accounting. Thank
0: you, you, Peter.
2: Peter. To end each show, your host will attempt to do a lightning recap to cover key topics in under 45 seconds. Get that timer started. Let's go. In testing liabilities, the assertions we focus on are completeness and cutoff. Therefore, our main sample selection Comes from the subsequent disbursement register, and then we look into the AP detail to see if the disbursement samples are appropriately included or excluded. When requesting the subsequent disbursement detail from the client, you should not determine the length after year end by saying, "Let's just pick a date like an exhausted engaged couple." Make sure your subsequent disbursement listing includes a full accounts payable cycle of coverage after year end. Lastly, remember for accounts payable testing, we. We do not care about the invoice date. We care about the service date or date of transfer and the payment date. <coughs> Barely made it there. That is our accounts payable fill the gap episode. We hope you learned something and had fun along the way. A shout out to Michael Hoos, our technical guru, Bryn McNeil, our pastored partner, Jonathan Kraftcheck, our intro announcer, and of course, Matt and Joe, our contestants who I hope are already swimming in a pool of guacamole. If you want a written summary of today's questions and technical answers, You want to apply to be a contestant on Fill the Gap or have an idea for a topic for the show, all of that can be found in the podcast show notes. Please take a look also at the rest of our inventory of Fill the Gap episodes to refresh your accounting mind before diving into your next accounting project. Here's to no adjusting entries and may your balance sheet always balance. I'm Peter Zender, signing off until next time on Fill
3: the Gap.